Today is December 6, 2023. Welcome to Read Through the New Testament. And today, we first of all need to greet everyone. Hello. Hi, everyone. And Jamesy to our Nepali listeners. Jamesy Nepalis. And I would just encourage all of you to uh, rate our podcast and leave a review. It would be good for us. It's like a one-way conversation with yeah, us. So we we'd don't love, know. We'd love some feedback yeah. and would love to just kind of hear that you're out there listening. So. Yeah. We hear from some of you parents uh, that you're listening to it. That's, and the students. Yeah. But parents have come up to you and talked sure. to you and to me. Sure. So we're listening. But if you put something out there on Apple Podcasts as a rating or review, that would be really helpful. Yes. And especially if you live in Nepal. Yes. Yes. Especially. That'd be great. Okay. Uh, Mark chapter 12, first half of the chapter, and then 1 Corinthians 16. We're going to finish 1 Corinthians today. So Mark 12 begins like this. And he began to speak to them in parables. And this is in response to the question about authority from the end of chapter 11. He says, a man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went away into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty handed. Again, he sent to them another servant and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed, he had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir, come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? Of course, they had read this scripture, but Jesus is applying it now. He says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes from Psalm 118. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told this parable against them. Mm. So they left him and went away. They clearly understood the meaning of the parable. Yeah. Okay, and so now there's going to be some questions coming to try to trap him. Yep, right there in verse 13 to try to trap him. Listen for that. Okay, verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians. So Pharisees are Jewish, Herodians are Roman. Yep. Followers of Herod? They're followers of Herod, yep. Political is the idea here. Okay, to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher... We know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. A plus answer. Yep. Yeah. That was a question to trap him. Because if he said one, he'd be in trouble. If he said the other, he'd be in trouble. And, and here's another question to trap him from the Sadducees. And Sadducees came to him who say there is no resurrection. And they try to ask this question to show how crazy the resurrection is. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies 
and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And I remember hearing one man said he should have checked her cooking. Um, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised... Have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. Interesting. We just read about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. That matches perfectly. Yeah. That's great. Okay. He responded very well. Lots of interesting things there. These people who knew, say they know the scriptures. He didn't. They didn't. They would profess great faith in God. They didn't know the power of God. And he goes back to the Pentateuch. These were Sadducees who believed only in the writings of Moses. So he proved the, rex, the resurrection from the writings of Moses on the tense of this verb. I am the God of Abraham and uh, God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Not I was, but I am. Like I'm, eternal. Yep, I'm right. still, they're still alive. I still am their God. Mm-hmm. They've certainly raised from the dead. Also, the Sadducees didn't believe in angels, and so that's why he said they're like, we're like angels in heaven with neither marriage or giving in marriage. Like, super fun passage there. I would encourage you all to study it and look at it <laughs> because it proves the resurrection and um, um, just replies in so many different subtle ways. But he passed that test too. So they were trying to to trap him, and they didn't. Yep. And so this is only half of the chapter, so we're going to continue chapter 12 tomorrow. So you can wait on your summary for that. Yep, yep. Okay, Okay, so we've got uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is the last chapter in 1 Corinthians. We're going to finish the chapter. And if you remember the outline of 1 Corinthians, it is... Problems and solutions, and and beginning in chapter 7, questions and and answers. answers. And here's a question. Now concerning... They had a question about the collection for the saints. As I directed the church of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. It's interesting here Paul is giving, but he's not giving to the church. This is giving for missions, is what this is giving for. Okay, verse 5. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you, or even spend the winter, so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. So that would be in Corinth, Mm -hmm. right? Yep, in Corinth. For I do not want to see you now, just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers." 
Yep. Probably gives a little hint about where he wrote First Corinthians. Probably in Ephesus here because he's going to stay mm-hmm. in Ephesus. And if you track that through, um, uh, if you have to track that through Acts, you might see that he's right here. Probably chapter 19 is when he was writing this. It's when he was in Ephesus. Uh, chapter 12, verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia. And back in chapter 1, he knew that he baptized some of the household Mm -hmm. of Achaia because they were the Mm -hmm. first of the household. And that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeticus because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. All the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I'm struck by how much this ties to Acts. Yeah. Because it talks about Aquila and Prisca or Priscilla. Mm -hmm. And Acts speaks about Apollos. And Acts speaks about Timothy. And and, being in Ephesus and being in... Corinth. Yep, that's a great book, First or Acts, to kind of give some background of what's happening in this chapter. So yeah. we leave that for you. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.